Are you a good witch or a bad Hello and welcome to Witch Bitches Review. I'm an NFL championship ring decorated to look mystical and menacing, but in reality, I'm just a piece of costume jewelry from the clearance bin at Target. Phoenix Arcana Lightwood. And I'm an exhausted single mom who's comfortable leaving my kids in life-threatening danger to hook up with my ex at a seedy motel, Siren Rex Fry. This is the podcast where two actual witches analyze and review representations of witchcraft in media and pop culture. Today we are talking about Charmed Season 1, Episode Episode 17, That 70s Episode. The title is a reference to the cult hit sitcom That 70s Show, which is hilarious, and I used to watch it all the time. This is the first of many episodes where the Charmed Ones travel through time, and you guessed it, in this one they're going to the 1970s. I think the title is Simple, Perfect, Classic. According to IMDb, this episode rated 8.9 out of 10, which is really, really good for an IMDb rating. Um, and it's the one where, to protect themselves from a power-stealing warlock, the sisters time-travel to the 1970s where they encounter their mother and their grandmother. I've been really looking forward to doing this episode. This one's one of my favorites. I just think it's really fun. Um, this is the first episode with Patty and Grams in it, and they are dynamite. They are played by Finola Hughes and Jennifer Rhodes, respectively. I think it's so cool that the show got these two fantastic actresses who were so good at their parts and they kept them on in all eight seasons afterward. I mean, these two appear in the series finale and I just think they're great. I think this is a great first episode for them. This episode leaves us with a lot of a real sense of like a family heritage that's built into the show. You know, they'll talk about their mom and their grandma and their ancestral line or whatever for the next eight seasons. We know the sisters are descended from witches, but in this episode, we get to see how those witches had to struggle to survive in order to create that family line. There's also a lot of nice cultural references in this one that make us actually feel like we're in the 70s, especially with the music. Um, Also, fun fact, if this episode were made today, the witches would travel back to the 1990s, which means you guessed it. Again, we are hella old, all of us. (laughs) Ugh, aging millennials. Even though there are some really irritating children in this episode, I actually really love it. Unlike the casting of Victor this season, I think they really, really got this casting right. We've seen Grams in flashbacks and photos before, but this is the first time we really get to know her. And also, we meet Patty and she's flawless. Like, she's amazing. Absolutely made for Finola Hughes, I think. She somehow resembles all four of the main actresses that are on this show. She really does. She does. You're right. I'm so glad you brought that up. I think she plays it so effortlessly. I think that the That 70s episode title is funny, if not a little derivative and mooching off of the success of That 70s Show, which was on a totally different network. Uh, But that being said, there's so much heart in this episode and a lot of cool magic to talk about. So I think we should get started. Let's do it. The setup for this episode goes by very quickly. 
The sisters are going through old photos, and Phoebe complains that she's not in a lot of them. And then, you know, they talk about how their mom is dead. Wah. Boo-hoo, join the club. <laughs> oh, shit. Okay, well, awkward. Anyway, uh, we're just going to skate right past that. Um, Piper enters in a panic, as usual, looking for office supplies. Phoebe shows Piper how to open a secret drawer in this hutch cabinet thing that they have and the way she does it doesn't make any sense but you know we'll just skate right past that too yeah i don't i don't get how slamming the top and kicking the side pops the door open it's yeah i don't know it's magic you know like mm. (laughs) they are witches after all i guess yeah an old man comes by to give graham's flowers and he drops them but piper freezes him. And while this guy is frozen and their um, clock is chiming 12 strikes of noon, they discuss how Grams is also dead and this guy is her secret admirer and blah, blah, blah. Um, I think that the clock continuing to chime, it definitely serves as like a plot device, but I also think it's a really nice touch and sort of continues that world building of Piper's power not working outside the room she's in. Although isn't the clock like in the entryway? No, it's right off the dining room next to the uh conservatory. Oh, well, okay. Um so this old man unfreezes and knows they're witches and gets like young ish, but like still not very cute. Oh not cute at all. That's not what they were going for, right? He's in no way cute. <laughs> no, not at all. Not cute. Not cute. Um, so he says he knew their mother and goes into like full on exposition mode. There is so much exposition in this episode that's like disguised as dialogue. This guy though, like he like like goes into life story mode, like he's a customer at the service desk. Like as soon as he <laughs> walks into their house. He tells them that their mom blessed his NFL championship ring to protect against their powers, yada, yada, yada. He attacks them with this sort of ambiguous power that, like, makes their blood boil um, and knocks them on their ass. But Phoebe's really the only one that's kind of selling it, I think. And then Phoebe kicks him not very hard in the shin and knocks him down like a bitch. Um, (laughs) And they... (laughs) Like, she literally, it's like a love tap on his ankle or something. all-powerful warlock my ass. (laughs) Uh, They run upstairs and cast the first random spell that they find, which transports them to the past. Now it's time for Miss Spell, the segment of the show where we critique the spells used by TV witches and talk about how a real witch might go about doing the same thing. I don't really know what prompted them to find the unbind a bond spell in this situation. That was really quick thinking that's not super characteristic for them. Usually it takes a whole episode before they figure out what to do. So oh, They've gone through that uh, book so many times, but somehow don't remember anything in it. <laughs> uh, so there are actually three spells done in this episode, two of which function pretty much the same way. But I think the one later makes a lot more sense than the first one. 
And then obviously we have the vanquishing spell at the end of the episode, which yields its own things to explore. So before Phoenix gets into like the actual information, I just want to talk about how, I don't know, this spell, it just seems very like contrived to get them into the past. Like the goal was let's do an episode where they go to the past. Let's meet their mom and grandma. This whole Mm -hmm. spell to unbind a bond thing. I don't know. It just, it doesn't really specify, like, what it's supposed to do, even if it, in its own wording. I really feel like the spell should just be called to fix a problem or something. And then <laughs> you just say three lines and then it can do anything on God's green earth. Like, what? I don't know. Basically, well, they're like, maybe this spell will unbless his ring. And there's like the pawn shop guy saying, best I can do is time travel. <laughs> that's the episode title best i can do is time travel <laughs> the unbinding a bond thing right there are kind of two major themes with the incantation so let's break it down the bond which was not to be done give us the power to see it undone rhyming done with done that's lazy uh and turn back time to whence it was begun so that last part isn't really necessary. We'll talk about it a little bit, but I think the first part, undoing a bond sounds to me like undoing a pact or a magical agreement of some kind. And then the second part is obviously turning back time. Yeah, the last line is really the only justification for the fact that they time travel as a result of this. But, I mean, I don't know. I would have probably called the spell something different then. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, I think... Unbinding a bond is similar in nature to, like, what a cord-cutting ritual would be, which is a kind of ritual that's really popular on witch talk, because anyone who doesn't agree with you or doesn't like you or isn't so woke that their eyeballs fall out is toxic as fuck, and that's no cap fan. I understood about 30% of what you just said. (laughs) Have you seen this ritual on the internet where people, like, tie two candles together with twine and let them burn until they separate? Well, so I have spent um, zero amount of time on Witch Talk. And it's not even really because I have, like, a political opinion about it. I just, um, I'm really afraid that if I start TikTok, I won't stop. And I just, I can't with that right now. And also, I'm just, like, so tragically old, you know? (laughs) So... So I know nothing about witch talk. I'll just admit it now. Other than that, lots of other people have very strong opinions about it, which I think are just a bit much. I don't have a problem with witch talk. I have a problem with stupid things on witch talk. Uh, But I also think that there's a lot of really good information out there and people trying to help other people. But like the hex culture of it is really fucking annoying to me. Um, But you know, other people in general on the internet are really fucking annoying, which is sort of the place I've arrived at recently. So I guess I just imagine that witch talk is more of the same. Witches on Facebook annoy the shit out of me, but I still talk to them for some reason. um, But there's this there's this cord cutting ritual on TikTok where people tie two candles together with twine, light them both and let them burn down until the twine splits. I've done cord cutting rituals before I ventured into witch talk at all. So it's a concept that I was familiar with. That's just a different way to do it. And I'm going to give you another different way to do it because I think the two candle thing is wasteful and stupid. And yeah, it's one too many candles for you, right? It's it's one too many candles for me. I find the, the extra step of adding that second candle to not really be needed. Um, I'm a very practical, budget-conscious witch until I go herb shopping. Yeah, for um, sure. 
So rather than waste an extra candle, you can just like write names on scraps of paper. Or if there's a photo of the person, you can lay the twine across it and say whatever words feel appropriate to you, whether it's goodbye, fuck off, have a nice life or whatever, and literally just cut it with scissors. I do have an example of this from my real life. I just realized this is going to be so great to talk about on the internet. So... I mentioned in a previous episode that I am divorced. So um, we had a hand fasting six years ago and we did the tying the cord around your hands things and we kept the cord in a special place. Um, When things went south and I knew that the ritual side of things was not important to my partner at all, but I really needed something symbolic to move on. So I had a bonfire and I burned a lot of things that represented our relationship. But the last thing that I did was I took our hand fasting cord and I set it on fire and I really did feel freed by that action. So, okay, I guess I do know what we're talking about. That's a perfect example. In all actuality, sometimes it's necessary to sever a connection. I've done a cord cutting ritual more than once. Uh, I did it the way that I explained previously because I didn't, I hadn't done the two candle thing before. And I think it's similar to a binding, but a bit more open-ended thematically. We've talked a lot about how magic works by association and metaphor. So while binding is like putting someone in spiritual handcuffs, a cord cutting is more like a cosmic unfollow button. Oh, I'd love to hit that button on so many people. (laughs) Truly. (laughs) You know, we all like the bells and whistles in witchcraft, but not everything has to be about aesthetics. And you don't have to set shit on fire all the time. (laughs) Well, agree to disagree, but... (laughs) If you are a city witch like myself, sometimes that's just not a possibility. There are literally, like, clauses in most leases that are like, hey, don't burn your fucking building down. You know? So. Sounds like religious discrimination to me, but okay. (laughs) So if, if you're in a situation where you literally can't burn stuff... The literal cutting of the cord is a good alternative in in a cord cutting ritual or severing a bond in that way. And that's how I would personally do that. I have a spell in my book that's like, hey, if somebody's being toxic AF, you can use this spell and, you know, get rid of them. And it's not quite as... I don't view binding spells as punishments per se, but it's, it's... It's a little less like, stop what you're doing immediately and get the fuck away from me. And more like, I don't want this connection in my life anymore. Yeah. So I'm just, I'm just going to phase it out. Amen. Right. And you know who'd be the perfect kind of person to do this spell on is some creepy old guy who's obsessed with your grandmother and regularly breaks glassware on your floor. God, they should have gotten rid of him years ago. (laughs) The other element to this is time. We've talked before about how time is basically made up. Well, I wouldn't say basically made up, but a social construct, yes. So, but moving through periods in history could be possible via astral travel. Uh, Neither Siren and I are super well-versed in astral travel. It's not something that either one of us practice very often, but it is something that I've heard of. From my understanding, it's sort of similar to like past life regression practices. Yeah, I'll be real. That stuff's a little out there for me, which is not to say it's not valid for some people, but it feels unserious to me, I guess. And so it's not something that I'm personally interested in, which is why I have no space to speak on it right now. Well, I mean, you and I both sort of practice 
magic from a metaphorical psychological standpoint as opposed to like a literal thing and that's a very generalized statement but we we focus a lot more on the symbolism and associations of things rather than the superpowers part of things well so i believe in the psychosocial physical science side of magic and the unexplainable supernatural side of magic i guess my practice is kind of the meeting place between them yes I am absolutely the same way. I approach everything in my personal magic from a place of my personal associations, experiences, and understandings. But I also realize that that connects me to something higher than myself that I don't understand. And that's a really weird place to be in with stuff like this because there's stuff that I'm not going to have associations and experiences with that other people do. And so the meeting place of those two things is murky. Murky is where I am most comfortable. So it works for me. (laughs) Um... A practical version of time magic is altering one's perception of time, allowing you to move and act freely either in compliance with or disregarding the organization of time. We all have 24 hours in a day, but with time magic, we can alter our perception of that amount of time to make it feel longer or shorter or to make us more punctual or more effective in time management. Yeah, that sort of like, oh God, please don't let me be late kind of spell. I mean, okay, I'm just gonna say it. I'm gay. And I am never on time. <laughs> Just ever. If if we're meeting up, I will be late. Don't get there early. I have on occasion, like, uh, try to let me get there on time kind of spell, you know, something like that. And that's how I personally practice time magic. Um, you can do a spell like that with whatever kind of magic you're comfortable practicing. If you want to tie two candles to a clock and set them on fire, then do it that way, I guess. <laughs> um... <laughs> Okay, that sounds like a fun witch talk video. (laughs) (laughs) I have good experiences doing time magic with sigils and charms. I have a time sigil that I've created, and I also uh, have a little... I was fortunate to... Well, I mean, fortunate is a loose word, but... I worked at a thrift shop for a while and I was able to find this really cute clock necklace that was sort of like time turner-esque and I have enchanted that to help me be punctual to things and I have not been late for work since. I think your enchanted necklace is pretty interesting and kind of illustrates the point we were touching on a second ago. Now, is there a spell on your necklace that's magically making you be on time everywhere? Or is the symbolism of wearing that necklace helping you remember to leave on time and get ready on time and making it happen that way? And I think the answer to that in our practice is yes. So the next thing the Charmed Ones know, they are still in their attic standing exactly where they were. But this tool bag is not running up the stairs anymore, clomping with his big warlock feet, which are super susceptible to the lightest little touch. You know, so then they're like, someone's talking and Prue goes out to investigate. She sees Graham's on the phone and she sees her and Piper as kids. And she comes back in. Piper's all like, what'd you see? And Prue is like, well, we've traveled through time, but I'm going to be very vague about it and just say us. (laughs) The opening sequence in this episode is very good. It's set to Never Can Say Goodbye by the iconic Gloria Gaynor, which all you faggots out there are going to know as the seminal artist who gave us I Will Survive. And there's a collage of cultural references. One of them is a theater marquee displaying the title for the movie Jaws, which actually came out three months after the date in which this episode is set. 
However, I will say this is literally the only filming goof worth mentioning for this episode, which is honestly pretty good. Like, if you look this up, because you know I always do, like, if you go to IMDb and are like, what are the problems with this episode? One of them literally says that the actress who plays Young Piper has a different color of eyes than Holly Marie Combs. Bitch, I don't fucking care. That, that is the dumbest possible thing you could know. Like, get a life. Anyway, the point is, all of the other goofs that people have reported for this episode are so minor, inconsequential, or stupid. So, um, that's the only one we're going to be talking about, which is a little disappointing for me, because I'm a critical bitch. But kudos to Charmed on this one. Truly, this is a really good episode, like, through and through. So, Prue goes through some old stuff in the attic and pretends that they, like, have ever cleaned it before, ever. Um, and she also has zero grammar skills and she cannot figure out tenses for the life of her in this episode. And it's so dumb because context clues are everything in the context of this episode. Anything that you say will be correct. So like, oh, I think it's funny. I think it's a humorous way to point out the absurdity of time travel. I think, I think it's funny. It is funny, but at the same time, she does it so many times and at one point piper is like shut the fuck up i know what you mean (laughs) i thought that was funny too (laughs) they make a dumb list of reasons to not go talk to their grandma which i don't understand why they didn't just immediately go downstairs and be like hey we just cast a spell in the book and now we're here a spell that you most likely wrote so you get this yeah. Yeah. So because they waited too long to go and talk to their grandma, Patty calls and says she had a premonition of three women taking little Prue. So the three of them go downstairs and do exactly that thing. They literally do. Now to be clear, <laughs> um, we will call her Patty throughout the podcast. Patty is the charmed one's mother. Yes. Patty is the mom. Grams is the grandma. Obviously we might call her Penny a time or two. Cause that's her name. So they did exactly the thing that they just heard their mom say they had a premonition of happening. So that was like not a good move on their part. No. So they were, they like, they were really quick on their feet 15 minutes ago in the future. But now that they're in the past, they have used up all of their intelligence for the day. And for, <laughs> they've made their one good choice. Yeah, and, now, and now we will just be totally off the fucking rails. <laughs> <laughs> they had powers as, as kids. We learn, but they don't remember this. And I think it's really interesting to learn that they had powers. And then later on, we learn why they lost them and don't remember having them. So I think that's a really cool. Um, it's not really a world building. Th- I think it is. I think it establishes the mythology of who they are. It gives us, it goes back to the pilot and gives us further information we didn't have before. And I think that's a nice touch. I think it's a super nice touch and it, it, it solidifies their character, right? And their, their story and their origin story kind of in in a way that like in our Hocus Pocus review, for example, we didn't really get with those witches. While the sisters are just grabbing on to their younger selves, looking like kidnappers, basically, uh, Grams walks in, breaks a dish, and goes ballistic. She uses her telekinesis power, um, which we, I think we also just learned that she had right now, right? Mm-hmm. Um, to throw them out of her house. The effect is so bad. It's, it's so, so bad. bad. It's, oh my god, it's it's up there with, like, some of their early demon transformations. It's so bad. But, you get the point. Yeah, Cinda be damned. That was way worse. <laughs> I'm Cinda was at least, um, 
iconic. Um, you know, outside, I feel like they would kind of be dead after what she just yeah. did to them. Broken limbs. <laughs> whatever. But instead, they're just walking it off. Um, so Phoebe steals someone's newspaper and sees that they are in 1975 while Patty is just barely pregnant with Phoebe. Um, so then they make up another dumb list of reasons why Phoebe can't see her mom that she doesn't remember. And then they go to a diner. Siren has noted that Cher is playing in the diner when they go in. I tried to listen, but I couldn't make out what the song was. It's Gypsies, Tramps, and Thieves. Okay. And a few moments later, uh, Heat Wave by Martha and the Vandellas is also playing, um, which is really, really cool. Yes, Queen. Yes, Queen. Uh, Patty enters all like slow motion and glamorous. And even though she's waiting tables and wearing a hideous uniform, she still looks beautiful. Yeah, it's very, like, hot girl walks into the party kind of scene, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, fun fact about this. Um, as Patty approaches Piper and Prue, Piper asks Prue, how do I look? In the series finale, Patty will also ask Victor, how do I look? And after Charmed was over, Finola Hughes went on to host a makeover show called How Do I Look? That's... Awesome. Yeah, it's kind of weirdly interesting. When I first was reading about it, I thought that it was a reference to the show she did before Charmed, but it's actually what she did after. It's kind of weird. Patty comes to take Piper and Prue's order, and as we mentioned already, they've made their good choices for the day, so they completely fuck this up. Piper's like, aren't we Prue? And then Prue's like, prunes! That's what my name sounds like! Listen, they are already back in time. We have no idea what over-the-counter medicine is like. Piper does not need to be backed up. (laughs) Piper tries to freeze the room, but it doesn't work. And this is the first instance of a... Well, no, it's not the first instance of them looking stupid. Uh, But this is the first instance of their powers not working when they have time-traveled, which is a recurring theme in the show. And so I do want to segue here for a second. Do we ever get... Like, a real concrete answer for why that is throughout the show. Um, so in this episode, they say something really convoluted, like, only one set of us can have powers at the same time in the same time. I know, which is, huh, which prompts Prue to say, thank you, Dr. Spock, um, which is basically the answer to that, yeah. But when they go back in time further later... When none of them exist yet, they don't have their powers either because they don't exist to have their powers yet. So it's like, if they get taken out of their specific timeline, it just, like, fucks up their flow of magic, I guess, or their connection to the cosmic sentient force that is magic. I don't, I don't know. Well, see, that doesn't make sense to me either, because they lose their active powers, but then in certain cases they can still, like, cast spells and they work, so... Exactly! Make it make sense. (laughs) yeah so they look super dumb trying to display their powers and patty's like um i love her face when she just stares at them because i have made that face at customers so many times (laughs) she's like i'm gonna go and she just kind of like bites Um, her lip and she's like what the fuck is wrong with these bitches god how long till my shift is over (laughs) so as patty tries to leave piper goes we know you're pregnant and blows their cover because patty doesn't know that she's pregnant and thinks that she can't get pregnant even though she has two more children after this whore so okay so the next thing that happens is there's a phone call for patty and it's grams on the line trying to tell her 
about the warlocks trying to kidnap Prue and Piper. Um, how did it take more time for Grams to call and get through on the phone than it did for them to walk to the diner? I, what? I mean, it was the 70s. Didn't you still have to, like, call an operator at that time and be like, yes, hello, I'd like to speak to this person? Girl, I'll be honest with you. I don't know. <laughs> did they still... <laughs> I have just, no like, wrote... fucking idea. <laughs> I have no idea. Uh... How, I don't I don't understand how people functioned before smartphones, truly. I don't. If I had to ever get anywhere before I had a cell phone, I would just die. Oh my god. Do you remember, like, looking up stuff on MapQuest and printing it out? <laughs> no. <laughs> I used I to do that, that shit. I used to do that shit, and it was hard. Anytime, anytime I'm, like, using my navigation on my phone, and it's like, go south, I'm like... Do I look like Lewis and Clark to you? <laughs> no. I'm going to need that in freedom directions. Left and right, bitch. Is it by the McDonald's <laughs> or the Walgreens? I need to know. <laughs> right, anyway. So, um, so Patty goes to leave work to rush home because she's worried about her kids, right? Remember that because we're going to blow that fact out of the water here in a second. But anyway, she's leaving work because she's worried about her kids. But instead, she runs into Phoebe and drops her purse and spills it everywhere. And Phoebe looks at her, and she acts also like a dumbass, but maybe a little bit less so than her sisters. And um, Phoebe loves learning how all the things that she and her mom have in common are that they, like, are smokers who are clumsy, I guess. Which, hey, me too. Uh, But then Nicholas, the not hot warlock, shows up dressed like a cop because all cats are beautiful. Um, Phoebe immediately beats the shit out of him because she has strong opinions about the SFPD. And she throws his keys in the road. So the sisters all run away and they're like, what if we kidnapped ourselves? This is the next best possible plan. (laughs) Talk about connecting with your inner child. They listen through a vent while Patty and Grams talk shit about Victor, and this is, like, such a fun dynamic. And Yes, so Patty and Grams have, like, the best banter. I love it. There's this thing that Grams says in this scene. She says, if husbands were meant to stay married, then God would have made them live longer. And then the way that Patty looks at her after she says that is so adorable. And apparently they believe in just one God, so... Not Wiccans. Uh, (laughs) Right. Also, like, there's a short little cutscene that I thought was so cute, and uh, Phoebe reacts to Grams saying that as she's listening, and she's like, Grams, oh my goodness. (laughs) And I think it's just, it serves, there's such a great family dynamic in this episode, and all of the chemistry is so great. And it's getting so much better as the show has progressed. Like, we kind of pointed it out, like, in the beginning, it was like, you know, like, really forced. (laughs) Yes, that that was a language that I just spoke that made sense. Um, It was so forced in the beginning parts of the show. And as it has progressed and these actresses have gotten to know each other and the writers have gotten to know who the characters are, everything is flowing so much better in this half of the season. And I think it's just wonderful. And I just, I still think it's amazing that they can insert not one, but two new actresses into this scene. And instead of that straining the believable family dynamic, it just makes it stronger, which is why I think Fanola Hughes and Jennifer Rhodes are two of the best things that happened to Charmed. Absolutely agreed 100%. 
Patty left work early without telling anyone because she was pretending to care about her kids, but really she just wanted to go get dicked down by her ex. Yes! Okay, let's talk about this. Okay, I've said Finola Hughes is great. I think all of Patty's scenes make sense by themselves, but if you string them all together, you're like, what the fuck is this bitch doing and what kind of day is she having? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, she she rushed home from work without telling anyone. And the next thing you know, she's getting dressed so that she can leave. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> Child negligence. That's why Phoebe grows up to be such a screw up. It's always the parents' fault. Right. So the sisters break in to kidnap themselves. Um, and you really get to, like, hang out with Kid Piper and Kid Prue for a second. I think Kid Piper is so stupid cute with her little pigtails and her, like, I just barely learned to speak English thing she has going on. <laughs> she is so <laughs> cute. It's ridiculous. So, anyway, so Prue uses emotional manipulation to get the kids to trust them while um, Piper opens secret drawers, and uh, that convinces their past selves to leave with them, because kids are dumb. Kids are super dumb. (laughs) And Patty and Grams just show extreme negligence. Like, Patty leaves and says goodbye to the girls without even looking at them. Yeah. So apparently she wasn't that concerned. I think she just didn't want to be at work anymore. Relatable content. (laughs) Uh, there's this line as Patty is getting ready to leave. Grams is trying to deter Patty from going to see Victor because she doesn't like him because he's human and a man. I have problems with those kinds of people, too. (laughs) To deter her, she's like, well, I'll just teach the girls a new spell while you're gone. And Patty's like, can't you just bake cookies with them, you stupid, crazy bitch? Grams is like, the recipes they learn from me don't come from Betty Crocker, dear. And that is one of my favorite lines in this whole episode. That is a good line. It's a good line. Yeah, so in keeping um, in continuity with their inability to make good decisions while time traveling, the Charmed Ones take their past selves to a park so they can practice magic in public in a stolen car. And they're like, in no way will this backfire. (laughs) Patty shows up to Victor's hotel room to find that she's being scammed by Nicholas, who gets her to bless his ring without too much of a fight. And we're not really sure why handcuffing her prevents her from freezing the whole room. Like, why? Nonsense. And they're just in a small hotel room, so... She has to have her hands in front of her to freeze things. Do you know what I was thinking about watching this? Is We are told time and time again that Patty has the power to freeze. But I think through the entire series, she only does it once. Twice. I remember in season two, in the flashback, what's the other one? It's in season eight when they uh, teleport into her bedroom after she and Victor fucked. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah, she freezes Leo. But what happens to Patty in this scene is why you always send screenshots to your friends when you go to a grinder hookup. I mean, again, the 70s, you know. They just didn't yeah. know. You you tell them where you're going. You send them a picture of the person. You send text receipts. All of those things. Keep yourself safe, sluts. We love you. Patty Halliwell had been on Grinder in the 70s. This would never have happened. Safe sluttery. That's that's what that's what we preach here. So uh, predictably, after their kidnapping and public use of witchcraft, the Halliwell sisters get arrested and taken to jail. Piper and Prue are sniping and kind of retelling us the events of the episode that we've been watching. And Phoebe is like, even though we're in jail and we all hate each other and we have no ID or money, what if we just stayed here and we got to know our mom who thinks that we're kidnappers? 
Because we, in fact, kidnapped her kids. What if we did that, guys? <laughs> Phoebe several times throughout this episode is like, what if this is our destiny? I want to know my mommy. This is definitely Phoebe's mommy issue episode. Listen, I knew my mom and she sucked. So... <laughs> Shit. Get over it. Yeah, you hear that? It's fine. Take it from Phoenix. Dead mom, no big deal. Oh my god. <laughs> We're gonna need a trigger warning at the beginning of this episode. Episode may be triggering to people who don't like their dead parents being made fun of. So, even more implausibly, Patty shows up at the jail to bail them out after they tell her that they are her daughters. And she just accepts that pretty readily. She's like, oh, okay, that tracks. Yeah. How did she afford bail for three people working as a waitress? You know what? Who fucking knows? It was the 70s. I guess. that I don't know. The whole bailing people out of jail on television is just... It has never been realistic even once. Mm-mm. Like, you, you can't. You can't just go and pay money to the jail and they'll be like, oh, these child kidnappers are free to go. That That has literally never been a thing. Mm-mm. Especially if they don't have ID. <laughs> Yeah, Patty's having a weird day. She sure is having a weird day. But, you know, I guess she inherited, or rather passed on, her brilliant decision-making skills to her daughters. (laughs) (laughs) This scene, real talk though, I know I just made a really harsh joke about my dead mother. This scene warms my heart when when they go outside the jail and they're talking to each other and she's like, oh my god, my daughters are so beautiful. Uh, (laughs) You're speaking that language a lot today. I am. It's sweet, and it's cute, and it makes me miss my awful mom. So, like, good job charmed, I guess. I didn't cry watching this one. I usually do. Usually when Patty shows up and says something sentimental, like, I sob like a baby. Well, so. that's what they do with her most of the time. Yeah. Do you know that um, Finola Hughes, I don't know exactly what show she was on, but apparently she used to do a lot of soap operas before this. So Mm-mm. it really only makes sense. Mm. So Prue basically says, we're here to stop you from signing our death warrants. And Patty's like, oops, already did that. Let's make your grandma fix it. So they go back home and Gramps thinks that they are full of shit. So she asks them all these questions and then she decides they're not full of shit. And instead she wants stock market information, which I love that. Yeah, I mean, I would, I'm same. I would, that's what I would do. Patty and Grams have, again, great banter here. Grams is like, what's IBM selling at your time? And... Patty's like, mother, now is not the time for personal gain. And Grams is like, listen, I say that that's what I would do, but I literally have absolutely no idea how stock works. Yeah, all the future information in the world could not help me navigate that shit. So, nope. I I feel like the stock market is just a bunch of dudes in one office with their dicks out being like, that looks cool. Basically, yeah. And then when things go bad, they jump out the window. (laughs) Yep. And uh, that's the gist of it. Stock Market 101, you heard it here first, WBR. Grams comes up with this plan to bind their powers until they can deal with Warlock Nicholas. But then she doesn't understand why they just got their powers back at this age as 20-somethings. And then she realizes that it's because in their time, she's dead. Now, Grams alludes to a rule where a witch's spells are broken upon their death which is not consistent throughout the series at all. And also, I just kind of don't like the implications of it. 
Mm-mm. Uh, it sort of detracts from the legacy of witches, yeah. I think. But also, it does happen a couple of different times with evil witches, usually. Right. And I mean, that's I mean that's classic fairy tale shit right there. You defeat the witch and the spell is undone. But again, it's not consistent throughout the show and... I don't know, it doesn't really make sense for good witches either. Like, I mean, think about some of the other stuff they do. Like, like their wickening rituals where they put blessings on newborn children. So, like, mm-hmm. if your parents die, is that blessing on you done? Even though it was mostly put on you by people who were already dead? Or, like, how does that work? <laughs> I don't know. So, yeah, I don't know. I just don't feel like it's consistent. I could come up with so many examples. Like, the cursed painting guy... Who was like put there? <laughs> who was put there three hundred years ago? So that witch is obviously dead, but he's still stuck in the painting. You know, like there, I could come up with eight hundred thousand things where it doesn't make sense. But all of this talk of death is making Phoebe feel pretty heroic, and she wants to save her mom from dying. But Grams is like, "Shut the fuck up! This is dangerous." Even though the butterfly effect had fully not come out yet, so like, how do they know? There's another great Grams line here, um, where she's talking about how she'll write a new spell to send them back to their time. And Graham says, we're witches, dear. We can do anything. Except not die. Yeah, except that. Um, but, you know, even when they're dead, they'll just come back once a season. So, like, yeah, fair. it's fine. Well, in season four, they're there a lot. Yeah, there's, like, constant house guests. And you're like, please, <laughs> Mom, <laughs> go back to heaven. <laughs> I need the spare room. <laughs> <laughs> I was not expecting that reaction. That was funny. Uh, that was really, really <laughs> funny. Phoenix is on his own emotional roller coaster right now, apparently. I'm having lots of feelings about my dead mother in this episode. <laughs> so, sorry to everyone that's uncomfortable with dark humor, but that's kind of just who I am as a person, so deal with it. I don't know. If you're uncomfortable with dark humor, I don't know how you've listened to us for this long. Yeah, so the sisters decide that they're going to go to Nicholas's hotel room to steal back the ring. And Phoebe knows how to pick locks, which is just, you know, one of those random personality traits that they tend to just drop in there every once in a while. Well, see, that one's, I think, character building because they're like, Phoebe, she's the screw up delinquent criminal. Of course, she knows how to pick locks. Whenever, whenever they are in need of criminal behavior, it's always Phoebe who handles it for them. They talk a lot of shit about someone who's criminal past they depend on every other week very true very true so they're successful in getting the ring and this is another when they're breaking into the room this is another point where like the exposition is disguised as dialogue because phoebe's like i hope nicholas isn't in there and prue's like the concierge said he wasn't and piper's outside keeping watch so that explains why we're not together i mean we have a really fluid definition of what warlocks are throughout the show too so, like, it, sometimes mm. it's, like, they're, they're people, just, like, witches who have to have, like, normal human lives. They just have powers. So, I don't know if that's mm. what's going on here. But, like, I don't know. Like, Nicholas got the ring. He got it blessed. So, he's going to leave the ring in his hotel room and go pick up another shift as a police officer instead of just, like, skipping town since he got exactly what he wanted. What? What? <laughs> And also, why does a police officer live in a hotel room? You're just going to hire some random ass drifter to go out and patrol your streets with a gun? He doesn't even have a permanent address? Jesus Christ. I mean, it's not that hard to become a cop. Anyway. Um, yeah. No, we do have a really fluid definition of what warlocks are. Um, it's like, I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. And then they stop 
dealing with warlocks at all in like two seasons, so it's fine. Well, and then they just randomly call people warlocks and they're exactly the same as demons. Like, what's the difference? Like, who knows? I don't know. <laughs> I think it's supposed to be like warlocks are the evil versions of witches and demons are demonic. It's a- Mm. but they're all just people dressed in leather so it's basically (laughs) yeah so they're successful in stealing this ring they make their getaway but it doesn't last for very long because they about to get caught but first they go back home and there's a very like when are we gonna unbless the ring when's that gonna happen it's gonna happen in a very shakespearean offstage kind of way apparently thing that goes on I don't understand why they don't do that first. Exa- no, nonsense. Um, so the plan is to send the girls back through time, and then Patty will deal with everything else after they're gone, since she's been doing like such a bang-up job thus far. <laughs> but anyway, so whatever. So they're about to go back to the future, or whatever. Phoebe slips a note for her mom in the Book of Shadows that tells her not to die on the day that she dies. And uh, there's these... Somewhat sweet goodbyes where Grams tells the sisters they're all great except for Phoebe, who she thinks looks like a real screw-up piece of shit. And Grams and Patty attempt to send them back to the future with their spell, but it does not work. And there's great banter! Again! Drama. Talent. Suffering. This is a dramatic reenactment. And we are sorry. I told you to use Poplar Buds. It's a perfectly good spell. It moves them through time. Yeah, ten seconds. You sarcastic little bitch. Whoosh. Thank God that's over. Uh, so, Patty has this brilliant realization that the power of three does exist because Phoebe's a psychic fetus and she's a whore. I love it when the unborn can save the day with their magic. That's a really pro-life message there. (laughs) Abortion kills, Jesus saves. The baby you aborted could have had a premonition and sent you back to the future. (laughs) Think about no, that. I don't need Michael. I don't need any Michael J. Fox in my life. No, 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 no. <laughs> feels like, I don't know, life in 2021 just feels like we're in the alternate universe where Marty McFly did fuck his mom. Ew. <laughs> I did it again. Yep. Get through one episode without talking about incest, they said. We can do it, we said. <laughs> <laughs> That's not even my joke. It was a meme, and I didn't even think mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Sure, whatever, Phoenix. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to keep it in, but I do. We're gonna have to. Incest is our thing. <laughs> we all know this. I'm crying. I have literal tears in my eyes. <laughs> um. So, Nick shows up bitching about his jewelry, so he must be a faggot. Um, Clearly. And and Phoebe... But queer cops are still class traitors. Anyway, go on. What? 
so Phoebe decides in that moment that she's not going to save her mom's life and takes the note that she wrote out of the Book of Shadows. <laughs> and Graham's just like knocks the shit out of Nicholas. She has no time. So the powerless two are like, you need to go upstairs and stay safe. Don't worry. We'll break all your furniture on this man. There's a whole lot of that in this episode. Like, so much could have been resolved if Grams and Patty had just used their powers together the way that, you know, Prue and Piper do all the time. But instead, they just, they're like, oh no, if something happens to you, all of time could be altered. I know that you will not be fighting any demons or warlocks after this one isolated incident. (laughs) You know? (laughs) As that fight is going on downstairs, Patty is teaching her kids how to cast a spell. Oh, to be a child actress learning witchcraft. That is the dream. Truly. Phoebe takes a picture of her mom holding hands with Piper and Prue. And it's really cute and sweet. It's a nice little moment. And Patty was probably like, why the fuck did she just do that? She'll see me when she gets home. I'm not dead in the future. Oh, Oh, if only you knew. So... This is where things get screwy. The next thing you know, apparently the ring is unblessed because we are told it is. Nicholas knows some shit is up. You know, he's running up the stairs to get his ring back. So Patty and her kids send the sisters back to the present. And there's this weird effect that we're just kind of expected to accept where Nicholas is running up the stairs in both timelines. And there's this sort of like blue light to indicate that we're back in the present. And like, we have just... What happened back in the past? What happens in the past when Nicholas bursts into the attic and the sisters are no longer there is never resolved for us. Like... You're right, it's Ever. Not. It's never resolved. And, and it doesn't make any sense. Like, do they just give him the ring back and they're like, sorry, we didn't do anything to it. You can trust us. <laughs> and then he's like, okay, well, I won't kill either of you and I'll just leave. Well, he wasn't going to kill Patty, at least, because he needed to wait for Phoebe to be born to steal all three powers, right? So that's why she survived. It's very unresolved and nonsensical, but the gist is that everyone's back in the present, and the ring is no longer blessed, and now they can just kick the shit out of Nicholas. (laughs) Again. (laughs) But this time with magic. And so we get this Nicholas Must Die spell, which, great name, Grams. Great name. And it comes complete with a pouch of herbs. Siren, would you like to talk about what these herbs do? Sure. So we know what herbs they are because they say their names in the spell that they cast. Um, Also, the only thing they do with these herbs is they are in a pouch in the Book of Shadows and they dump them into a mortar. But that's that's Mm. really all that happens. They just dump them in there. And they say this spell and they cite that they have lavender, mimosa, and holy thistle. You know, I looked up the... approved like trad which meanings of those things or whatever (laughs) lavender is used for calming meditation peace sleep all things soothing that's pretty basic Mm -hmm. mimosa is used for purification love healing and uncrossing and holy thistle is also used for purification and uncrossing now when i say uncrossing that usually means removing a hex or just removing some kind of like blockage or negative energy that you have on yourself or another person yes um so i do think it's interesting that mimosa and holy thistle share those things but those are still very like pc words you know purification uncrossing none of these herbs really have like a violent let's fucking kill that guy kind of vibe to them no patty also she mentions poplar buds uh, earlier and those are used for money and flying and flying is basically just a nice way to say we rub that on our bodies to hallucinate to trip balls <laughs> yeah 
So this episode does something interesting. It's almost like they're trying to establish magical uses for herbs, but they don't quite get there. It's like they're trying to build this world of like using this herb instead of that herb will give you this effect instead of that effect, which never, ever, ever gets expanded upon. And in some cases, the energies of those herbs are called on without the herbs even being present at all. And then once potions become a staple in the show, this kind of becomes a bit of a theme. There's an attempt to include, like, magical traditional herbal associations with no explanation or knowledge of what certain things are supposed to do. When Phoenix and I were talking about this earlier, I quoted um, the Drag Queen Pearl a little bit, and I said, it seems like the use of herbalism and charmed is very flase da. And by that, what I mean is like, it's like they want to incorporate it and they want to show it, but they want to do it without doing one iota of research. And so they just like throw around the name of like, I don't know, maybe they were just Bible dipping in like a book of herbs or something. And they were like, oh, let's use Angelica in this script, you know? Mm-hmm. Let's use hyssop and beetle toes in this script. There's herbalism within the show. It's just very unresearched and lazy. It bothers me that it's not expanded upon in this show because it's something that is actually educational and could be accurate and they just don't bother to do it. Yeah, agreed. I love herbs. They've become a very huge part of my practice over the last year or so. Yeah, $120 visits to your local occult shop will do that. I've been really into herbs because I have access to them now. I didn't before other than like, you know, Walmart and Walmart where I was before. (laughs) In most cases, you're not going to need anything that you can't find at your local grocery store, to be honest. But occult stores are super fun. Occult stores are so They're fun. so fucking fun. The Malloway Bros shop here in Chicago is amazing. And they have stuff like powdered earthworms and like bones and shit. Like, I mean, stuff that I wouldn't use because it's icky, but like mm-hmm. really cool spell ingredients to have for sure. So our ending scene is the sisters are, you know, back in the present and they've killed Nicholas. And so they're, they just go back to what they were doing before, basically, which is sitting at the table looking at pictures. <laughs> They're just like, anyway, well, back to how I wanted to spend my Saturday. Phoebe tells the sisters about the note that she left and then also didn't leave for their mom. And then they have this kind of ethical discussion about why it was the right thing for Phoebe to do to not try to warn Patty about her dying. And I just kind of, I don't buy it. No. I don't buy it at all. So, like, what is... I mean, obviously, the butterfly effect, blah, blah, blah. Like, we don't know what could have changed. But what significantly could have changed for the worse if Patty hadn't died when she did? The Charmed Ones grow up with magic their whole life and their mom to protect them and teach them on their path to becoming better superheroes? Like, where is the downside? I don't know. And that's a really good point. There's no... In a a later season a character comes back from the future to try to change the future. And I don't understand why that's a different situation from this. Well, that was a different situation because the writers had no fucking clue what they were doing with season six. Fair. No (laughs) fucking clue. Do not tell me anybody knew what was going on in that season. Especially not Phoebe's hairdresser. (laughs) So the note that Phoebe left and then not left for Patty said that she died uh, in February of 78. And later we learned that Paige was born in 77. Uh, So that's a nice little continuity thing there that they kind of fit in. Yeah, that is pretty good. Agreed. So the ending shot of the episode is the sisters find the picture that Phoebe took of her mother while she was pregnant, holding hands with her sisters. And they're all like, oh, see, there are pictures of you when you were a kid. (laughs) And then it's all like heartwarming. And we have 
flute music. We love a good flute outro. The end. The end. So, final thoughts? Final thoughts. Do you have any final thoughts? I really feel like you summed up the problem with herbalism in the show nicely, and I'm glad that we got to touch on it. I don't think there's anything I could add to that other than I'm glad you said it. My final thought is really... Just going back to the beginning, I love Fanola Hughes and Jennifer Rhodes. I love that this episode cemented them as recurring characters throughout the series. And I just think it's really weird that the way that they have Patty act in this episode is just, it just doesn't, it doesn't make sense as a whole. I know I can't get over the way she rushes home from work and then just ditches them to go have sex. You know, I cannot say that I have never bailed on plans for Dick, so... No, I know that you get it. Obviously, you get it. I just think it's funny. And if it was a plan with a kid, I'd bail even faster. (laughs) I guess I... So I don't absolutely love this episode. It's fine for what it is. Obviously, there were some problems that we pointed out with herbal stuff, but I mean, that just gets worse later. It's it's a it's a fine episode overall. I think it's it's well written. I think it's super well acted, but it just kind of is what it is. It's a point A to point B episode. And while it does sort of serve to establish um, world building, it doesn't really further the plot at all, I don't think. And I think from this point forward, it's kind of like we're finishing the season, you know? I think this episode was a nice little break because from here on out, we are going to be solely focused on the threat of Andy discovering who they are and what that means. That's going to be the entire rest of the season. But so here we got a little nice nostalgic trip back to the past. So I think it's put in a good place. Yeah, uh, I think it was definitely this episode and which proves it anyway, were very much like palate cleanser episodes. This one a little bit more so. I think this one had a little bit more heart to it. And I like that. You know, every now and then Charm does have to come along with an episode that is just there to get you right in the feelings. (laughs) Yeah. And they're usually the episodes that Finola Hughes is in. Let's be real. So we really only experienced one death in this episode. My kill of the day would have to be Patty's hopes of getting back together with Victor because they were just squandered. Super dashed. I would say that my kill of the day is probably Patty's hopes of keeping her job. So she really just let it all fall apart today. Girl does not have it together. No, this was not a good episode for Patty. Mm-mm. Kill of the day. Uh, if I were going to rate this episode, I would give it like, I don't know, how many dead mom jokes did I make? <laughs> God damn it. I knew you were going to say dead moms. If I had to rate this episode, <laughs> I'd give it one dead mom. Haha, ha, I'm peanut. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Siren, then where can the people find you? Oh my gosh. You can follow my Facebook meme page, Siren Spectacular Non-Binary Meme Witch, which I never update anymore because I have no inspiration. Or you can follow me on Twitter at Siren Spectacular, where I mostly just bitch about how much I would like to suck a dick at some point. Or you can watch my coven's YouTube channel, Millennial Incantations, which also never gets updated anymore. So basically, you might as well just tune into the podcast because that's all I'm doing. Did I cover everything? <laughs> you can you can follow me on Instagram at Phoenix Arcana Lightwood, where sometimes I post pictures of myself in my underwear or singing videos. You can follow me on Twitter at Phoenix Arcana underscore, where I also post pictures of myself in my underwear and sometimes try to be funny. You can 
can follow the podcast at WBRCast across the board on all social media platforms. If you have a question or something you'd like to hear us talk about, you can send us an email at whichbereview at gmail.com and maybe we'll get to it at some point. All right, all you emotionally stunted orphans. Until next time, keep on witching. And bitching. Bye. Bye. Are you a good witch or a bad witch?